All right, so last week um, we introduced a challenge to the congregation to develop or to enhance the spiritual discipline of journaling. Now, some will argue that's a spiritual discipline. Some will say it's not a spiritual discipline. Uh, we're, not, we're not really going to get caught up in that. I, I do want to uh, show some things to you in just a few minutes that, that prove that, that what we're doing is it's just healthy. Okay. Uh, now, here, here's, here's the beautiful thing. Um, we have said we want you to add this component to your prayer life. Whatever your prayer life is, hey, block off three, four, five times a week, six, seven, if you're an overachiever, 14. That's great. Uh, where you sit down for 10 to 15 minutes at a time and, and, and you take this notebook or you take the journal app on your phone or you take something else, whatever, whatever it is, and you take the 10 to 15 minutes and, and journal through the Lord's Prayer. All right, now we talked a lot about this last week, and so you can go and you can listen to that message, but I just want to catch everybody up uh, to speed on, on what we're trying to do here, okay? Um, so just the, the journal aspect, because there's many different ways to journal. As a matter of fact, in a few weeks, uh, about five more weeks, we're going to introduce another method that has to do with gratitude and developing joy in your life. Um, but we're going to journal through the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, that's what Jesus said. And when you pray, here's how to do it. All right, now he didn't say this is what you pray, but this is how you do it. And so we're going to journal through that, and we're just going to, we're not going to write the Lord's Prayer out word for word, but we're going to write our prayers out based on the structure of the Lord's Prayer. And, and so, you know, and again, I'm not going to, I don't have the Lord's Prayer right here in front of me to go through every single one, but you have this in front of you. So it starts with praise of your Father in heaven. Our Father, who art in heaven, if you grew up that way, right? Hallowed be your name. Great is your name. And so you're going to sit there, whether you've got a bullet pointed, or if you like to, to write in sentences, if you're chicken scratch, if you're cursive, whatever the case may be, you write out some praises. Sovereign Lord. Whatever it is, whatever, however you want to describe our Father in heaven. Write that out. And, and with that, include a gratitude list. Name three, four, five, ten things that man, you just, you're grateful for. That He is great and He is in heaven and I, I have these things and I am grateful for these things, Father. And, and, and so I want to write these things down. And, and then we're going to move on to the next one, which is your kingdom come, your will be done. Right, like that's that next line. And so, Father, help me to understand what you desire for my life. Now, now, if you're just you're sitting there and you're like, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't know specifically what God's will is. You need to pay attention today and next Sunday. <laughs> okay? Because there's these blanket things that we are all supposed to do that are his will for our lives. And then there's specific things that we are supposed to do based on who we are and how God created us. Okay? Stella sent me a text just a few minutes ago. Like literally just a few minutes ago. She's over in Georgia. She's with my brother and sister-in-law. They're at their church. And a good friend of mine leads the lakeside. Their church, they have a service that meets on the lake. Okay? You're talking about cool Unless it's days like today where it's cool. <laughs> I mean, it's just straight up cold. And, and John has this gift of, 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 of singing. So Stella texts me. Hey, I'm going to need uh, my pastor to get up on stage and start singing. 
um, every every day, and then preaching, and then at the end come up and sing, uh, just like this one. And and I'm like, um, you can just stay in Gainesville with John. That's fine. <laughs> uh, we'll send your stuff over there. That's not God's will for my life to stand up here and and try to lead worship. Okay, I'm just telling you right now. God didn't wire me that way. Uh, he did wire other people, and they're much much better at that than than I am. And so that's what we're praying, Lord. Overall, what's the will for my life? And then specifically, what are, what are the things? Help me to understand your desire for my life. When I go to the plant, when I go to the office, when I go to the PTO meeting, when I go to whatever it is, what's, what's your will for my life, Father God? And, and then we get into number three. Give us today our daily bread. We're just talking about our immediate needs here. That's all we're talking about. All right, Hey, God, what do I need today? And I'll go ahead and tell you right now. Praise the Lord, most of my physical and material needs are met. I, I just went to Sam's Club the other day. Most of my material needs are met for, you know, a couple of weeks to come. All right, there's plenty of food in the refrigerator. Thank you, God, for these things. But what other needs? What about the spiritual needs? Pray for those things. And there's nothing wrong, church, with praying for things way out. Okay, we're, we're praying about some things for this church for, for the future in, in the next couple of years. All right, God, lead, God, guide us in these things. All right, so help me understand what your desire for my life is, and I'm praying for my needs. And, and then he gets into, um, and forgive us our debts, okay? And the second part of that is we forgive those who trespass against us, our debtors. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our sins. You got sin in your life. You, you do. And, and, and this is not a, God, just forgive me all my sins. It's not what it's about. Man, it's, it's about getting real, personal. God, here's where I was impatient. God, here's where I was easily angered. God, here's where I, whatever, looked at this. God, here's where I said that. And you're specific. And if you're just clueless, you just don't know, then jump over to Psalm 139, 24 and pray that prayer. God, reveal to me the things that are lacking in this relationship. Reveal to me, please, where, where, where I am not pleasing you. Okay? And so you're going to write those down. And I'm telling you right now, I mean, you want to overcome sin? Hey, start writing your personal sin down. Look at it on that page. That, that, that's a great starting place to move to repentance. Okay, And then, list of those who I need to forgive. And who am I holding a grudge against? We, we carry stuff around more than I think we realize. And it may be just temporary, and maybe it's just a, well, time you know, heals wounds, and I just move on, and I'm just over it, but I don't necessarily forgive the past and forgive people? Because he goes on to say, hey, with the same measure of forgiveness you use towards other people, that's what God's going to do with you. Now I'm telling you right now, we need to be paying attention to that one, big time. And then he says, just lead us not into temptation. We're just praying for some protection there. Alright, spiritual protection, certainly there's absolutely nothing wrong with praying for physical protection. I pray that over my family, over you guys all the time. Lord, Protect us. Protect us from the evil one. Because the evil one uses any and all means 
to get to you to distract you from your health to temptations to just things in life. Lord, protect us. And so you're going to journal that down. Now you're going to go through and you're going to write that down. And you're going to, you're going to do that, you know, again, three to five times a week, 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, I, I, every time I've done it, it's been under 10 minutes. I'm pretty shallow that way, okay? Uh, some of you, you, you're probably a lot deeper than I am, and you can, you can drag it out a little bit more. Glory to you. That's great, okay? That's, that's wonderful. But I'm telling you, I, I've been able to do it in under 10 minutes. And it's really cool. It's really cool to see what happens. Now, so we challenge you with this. Because this is one of those things that's not normal, right? Like, like we'll keep a prayer list. Okay, we'll, we'll keep this thing over here. And I've got journals that's really cool to go back and look and read and, and see how God's answered prayers. That's another component to this. But really what we're trying to do is, is to, to increase the depth of relationship. And, and so I want to show you a couple of images real quick. And, and this is from some neuroscientists. Again, I told you, I've been reading a lot of stuff about the brain and the activity of the brain and how it relates to relationships and everything. Let me, let me show you this first image. Okay, so what you see here is the brain at a couple of different angles. And if you think back to high school, way back when, when you were taking biology, the, the brain has different functions. It has different quadrants that do certain things. You've, you've heard the right brain, left brain deal, right? You've, you've heard about that. And this this lobe does this, and this, this lobe does this. And so if you're looking at it, top left, the, the, the blue and the light blue, that's inactivity. So when you are hearing words, the yellow signifies the amount of activity in your brain. Now, for somebody that's a communicator that stands up here and stares at people, I don't even think half of y'all are hitting at that level, okay? Some of y'all are just like zoned out. Miss Patsy's already confessed. I woke up at 3.30 this morning. He goes, you do a great job putting people to sleep. Uh, all right, all right, all right. I mean, right, and I'm like, yeah, I know. I, I put myself to sleep. So you look at the brain, man. Like if you're just hearing words, that's, that's all that's triggering right now. Well, if you go to the right, seeing words. It's even less. So if you're just if you're just seeing words and, and you're not fully reading and engaging those words, but if you you are you're seeing the words and you're a uh, light comprehension, you you see the amount of activity. And then if you're speaking words, and, and and I think we could probably do a sermon on this right here that some of us probably ought to put a little more thought into what we say sometimes. You see the amount of activity when we're just carrying on conversations with one another. Not a whole lot. And then generating words. When I'm increasing my vocabulary. So I know some of y'all do that. Y'all like to sit down and, you know, read the thesaurus and the dictionary. You try to increase. You try to learn new things. When you're, basically, when you're crossword puzzles and that kind of stuff, when, you're, when you are generating words, that's what you get. Now look at this next image. This, and again, this is a different angle, because I was all hesitant about this. I'm like, wait a minute, we're not even comparing apples to apples. But then it was explained to me that when you write your own words, not plagiarize, not, not, not copy scripture, not, and I'm typing right now because that's what I do. I don't write. But, but when you are coming up with your own words, whether it's in bullet format, 
or, or, or whether it's, it's you're, you're writing sentences or whatever the case may be, when you are putting thought to paper, this is the activity of the brain. The brain is firing on all cylinders right here. And there's a lot of links to how we combat Alzheimer's. Okay, One of the ways to have a healthy brain that does not fall into that is through writing. It's an exercise that they do in memory care clinics all the time. And so all I'm trying to show you is that what we're offering and what we're challenging you to do beyond the spiritual, it's healthy for you. It, it, it's good for your brain to engage in this. And so even if you're not very eloquent, even if you can't put together you know, a complete sentence, by simply just writing out a, a, a couple of thoughts, okay, in order, it, it, it's going to be beneficial to you in more than one way. And because we're asking you to do it, okay, alongside of your prayer life, there's going to be a, a depth of relationship. So we're adding a new wrinkle, uh, that something that is it's not done very often. Okay, uh, I said it last week, and we're about to move on. Just, just hold on. Uh, we said it last week, and it's what it's, it's it's what God told Jeremiah. When you seek me, you will find me. When you seek me with all your heart, and 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 I think that this is one step beyond the norm for us. Perry mentioned Dallas Willard, and Dallas Willard is one of these philosophers. He's a Christian, and, and his whole stance is God has saved you by grace, and you responded to a conviction, and you said, Lord, become the Lord of my life. And from that point on, it, it's I want to develop the relationship with you, Lord. And, and, and we have a responsibility to develop the relationships and you see this from anybody that's disciplined. That, that disciplines are usually pretty hard. Okay? But as you get into it, and as you become better at it, the, the disciplines become easier, and then you start to crave the discipline. He goes, as this is happening with your relationship with the Lord, Dallas Wheeler talks about, he goes, he goes you're going you're gonna to deepen that relationship, and you're going to crave the disciplines that help with this. And so this is just another way of, of helping you Seek the Lord at a different level than what you're accustomed to. All right? All right. So in a couple of weeks, just so you know, we're going to change the format up. Give us big gratitude and joy. You're going to love it. I'm sure of it. Okay. All right, let's get to the sermon. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Uh, Lord, I pray that, that we can add this exercise, this discipline to our life. I pray that we will... will We'll block off some time to sit quietly, to sit in your presence. And, and to think through this way, this method in which we're to pray. And God, I, I know it because this is me. Well, that's just not my thing. That's just not how I do it. But Lord, everything that is studied, 
says that this is healthy and good for us. So I, I pray that we'll, we'll make the effort. Again, out of just the, the knowledge of who you are. So Father, I pray that we are spurred on to do this. Now, God, we ask that as we open up our Bibles and we talk about this thing called love, that you meet us where we are. You spur us on once again to take deeper steps. Testing of our faith is developed when we trust you and we trust your word. And so when it comes to love, that's who you are. Father, I pray that our faith increases as we step out there and we love people the way Jesus loves us. So may your word meet us, Father, where we are right now. We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, so every year we spend a few weeks talking about LifeBridge and uh, who we feel God desires for us to be as a community. The leadership of the church, like 13 years ago, before we were actually officially LifeBridge, um, we knew that God was leading us away from our how we were doing community, how we were doing life together, how we were doing church at the time, and God was teaching us what our focus should be. And the radical shift that we took here uh, over the years uh, was that the, the radical shift that was taking place wasn't about understanding something new. As a matter of fact, it was something that you've heard of many times over and over and over. The radical shift wasn't about new knowledge of something. It was about living out what we already understood at a deeper level. And so we came about and we were instructed by some churches that were, were coaching us and working with us to, to develop a couple of statements, two different statements that direct this congregation. And if these two things aren't happening, then we're failing. Okay? And, and, and so these two statements, I just want you to know, they are completely Western in thought. Now you talk to somebody from the East. You talk to somebody in Africa about a vision statement and a mission statement, and they're a hoota wada, right? Like, like, why in the world do we need these things? And, and those of you that have been around, you understand in the late 70s and into the 80s and beyond, the church was often compared to, and it started to run like a corporation. The trend in successful businesses was to have a vision and or mission statement that guided the company. Nobody does it better than Chick-fil-A. It helped. One of my youth leaders and, and coaches, Joe Hughes, when I was growing up, taught me how to play just about every sport I ever played. He used to say this all the time in coaching. Keep the main thing the main thing. That's what these statements do. Because I'm telling you right now, it's easy to get off course. It's, it's easy for the church to become about something other than what God desires. And so these vision statements, these mission statements, they help us keep the main thing the main thing. So we have two statements that guide us, and they have two separate functions altogether. We have 
our vision. Okay? And we're going to talk about that next week. Becoming like Jesus. That's what our vision is. Really simple. The vision is the goal, or should be the goal, of every Christ follower. That, that's what our vision is about. That's, that's what, when we sit around at leadership team meetings, when, when we talk about the health of this church, we talk about our, chi- our vision, our people living up to the vision of becoming like Jesus. When you wake up each morning, do you desire to become like Jesus, or do you desire just to get through Tuesday, because last Tuesday wasn't a great Tuesday? When you wake up, are you desiring to become like Jesus? And so we're going to talk a lot about that next week. The mission statement then, because it serves a completely separate function, is how we become like Jesus. If the goal for my life is to become like Jesus, how do I do that? Like, I don't just sit here on planet Earth, you know, participate in a few activities each month, come to church 1.1 times per month, you know, watch a TV series about Jesus that's really cool every now and again. Give some money, participate in a couple of activities, and automatically become like Jesus. It doesn't work that way. I'm going to tell you right now, if, if that's the effort that you make, you're missing it. I can't just sit here and say, okay, God, I want to sit here and watch TV and play video games and you know read my blogs and do all that kind of stuff, and you change me. It doesn't work that way. Now, I, I have a part to play. And see, growing up in the 80s and then into the 90s, that part to play was just come to church. Just be involved in church. And being involved in church is not a bad thing. But that's how we marked maturity, was your participation. Anybody, anybody in this room, raise your hand, because we want to celebrate you right now. Anybody in this room ever get perfect attendance at Sunday school any time of the year? Anybody? I mean, come on. Right, Caleb, Jackie. Of course, Jackie Hall grew up. Well, yeah, your dad's a minister. But, I mean, look out. You look, my kids, man, they missed it. Little bunch of They are at church. Caleb was one. Who else raised their hand? Ed. All right, so y'all got the... Y'all got y'all got the little you know award things with the little gold star on it. You completed perfect Sunday school. That's what it was about. And then we get to understand New Testament teaching. It's not about church. Church is a good thing. I want you here at church every single Sunday. I want you involved in every single thing all the time. I want that for you, but that's not the goal. The goal is that you become like Jesus in your life when you're doing your thing, where you live, interacting with the people that you interact with. And so you have a part to play. And here's the thing. If I'm going to be like someone, I need to know what and how that someone lives or does their thing. Right? Like if I'm going to be like something, i got to know what it is. The 80s. Man, that's twice I think I've mentioned that right now. The 80s and the 90s were the greatest decades in the world of the NBA. I love basketball. Okay, I love it. If, if my favorite team is playing, 
I don't watch NBA anymore, but if my favorite collegiate team is playing, I'm blocking it off. Like we, they, they had a game on Wednesday, and we had Life Group, and so we went to Life Group, and as soon as we walked out and got in the car, we had our phones synced up, driving down the road, watching the game, because, I mean, that's how much we love it. And in the NBA world, because I grew up watching the NBA, man, the 80s and 90s, it didn't get any better. Dominique Wilkins, hometown guy. You know, I grew up just out of Atlanta. Saw Dominique play. Of course, he went to that school over in Athens, but, you know, we forgive him for that. Uh, Larry Bird, Larry, I mean, that son of a gun was a baller. He was awesome. I got to see the end of the Magic Johnson there. He was unreal. Bad boys from Detroit. Like, it wasn't, like, you know, cool to actually say you rooted for the bad boys. But let me, let me tell you, those son of a guns were bad boys. I mean, they got out there and they played bad. I mean, they were awesome, actually. But they, they played rough, and they, they, they did it. Hakeem Olajuwon had some of the sickest moves from a low post guy, and I can go on and on and on. Ask Amanda's brother. I can talk about 80s and 90s basketball for a very long time. And then, of course, the greatest basketball player of all time. Hands down, Michael Jordan, don't bring up any other name. We'll kick you out of the church. <laughs> okay? There was a commercial that came on in the 90s. Gatorade. What a time to be alive. Sometimes I dream that he is me. You've got to see that's how I dream to be. I dream I move, I dream I groove like Mike. If I could be like Mike, oh, if I could be like Mike. I want to be, I want to be, I want to be like Mike. Again, I try, just need to fly for just one day. If I could be that way, I dream I move, I dream I groove like Mike. If I could be like Mike, I want to be. I want to be like Mike. And let me tell you, the crazy thing about that commercial was everybody in the sports world, especially basketball, wanted to be like Mike. Michael Jordan changed everything about the game. People were now playing with their tongue out because of the famous dunk that he did where his tongue was hanging out like that. People are now running up and down the basketball court practicing to be like Mike with their tongue hanging out. Uniforms. Thank you, Michael Jordan. Uniforms were changed from those ridiculous polyester, super tight, no room to move shorts to, 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 to baggy shorts. All right, basketball shoes went from Chuckies and, and that whole Converse model, and I know they're back in style and they're retro and all that kind of stuff, and, and they're, they're, they're cool again, but those basketball shoes changed. People used to think, man, I could buy a pair of these Air Jordans and I could, I could jump six inches higher. Because people saw this figure. He was an influencer before social media. They saw how he did his thing. They saw the swag that he had when he played basketball. They saw what he was off the court, and they wanted to become like Michael. You could not get the number 23 in a basketball jersey anywhere because everybody wanted it. Because they wanted to become like Mike. We want to become like Jesus. 
Who is he? How did he do his thing? How did he do life? We have three years of evidence. Somebody walked around and they stared at him and they followed him and they paid attention to him. How he interacted with his enemies, how he interacted with the unlovable, how he interacted with people in need, how he did the things he did and they wrote about it for three years. And so we have three years worth of evidence. And it's summarized in one phrase. If you have your Bibles, 1 John 4, 7 and 8, it's going to come up on the screen. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because, here it is, God is love. That's what He is. We're going to study and we're going to figure out what this being is. God is love. God and Jesus, just so you know, are interchangeable. Trying to become like them. And the word love, you guys, you know this, right? Like, like the word love might be the most overused and misused word in the English language. I, I, mean, I can't think of another word that is, is more overused and misused than this word love. I know in my household, and it shows, in my household, it's often in association with food. I love those fries. I love those crescent rolls. I love that prime rib. I love Mama's arancini that she cooks. I love those Oreos. Like, those are things that are said in my household. I love. Clearly Chick-fil-A is loved. We use the word love with so many things that, truthfully, pretty superficial. And I know there's different meanings of love and all that kind of stuff. The word here, you know this, it's deep. and It's intense. It's a verb. It is action-based. It's unconditional in nature. It is linked to grace in the sense that love is not based on what I get in return. Let me say that again. This word is deep and intense and it's a verb. It's action-based. It's unconditional in nature. And it is linked to grace in the sense that love is not based on what I get in return. Verse 7 says that we are to love one another. So if love is a verb and not an expression of an emotion or a feeling, if it's a verb, the one another part is very important. If God is love and we are trying to become like Him, we too must love the way God or Jesus did. And He loved all of humanity because He is omnipresent and He is in the presence of everyone. Everyone, therefore, is His neighbor. He loves them. 
And so we too are to love on the same level, in the same effort, the same way that God loves you, that Jesus demonstrated His love for you, we too are to love one another that way. And so, our mission, the how we do things at LifeBridge, is why I talk about relationships so much, why I emphasize relationships so much, is that we are committed to loving God and loving people in That's our mission. It's there. We, we plaster this places. We base our mission statement based on this conversation that Jesus had with the teacher of the law. Mark 12, 28 through 34. Here's the conversation. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Very, very, very important question. Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Verse 32. Well said, teacher, the man replied. I mean, the guy's correcting Jesus after he asked the question. I approve of your answer. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. From then on, no one dared ask him any questions. So that's our game plan. That's the game plan for becoming like Jesus. All other rules, all other commands this text says, Everything else in that, that Moses wrote about, everything else in the Old Testament, all of that stuff are founded upon and built upon these two commands. Love is not what we are to do. Love is who we are to become. If God is love and we're becoming like Him, then we too are to become like Him. It, it, it's not a, a thing I do during the day. Hey, let me go over here and check the box. Did I love somebody today? Did I, did I love well here? Did I love well here? I did that. Okay, now I can go about my business. No, in my life, I am to become love. It's expressed in action to my neighbor. It's expressed in action to my neighbor. Now, Many of you have been part of the Sykes saga, our life in, in moving different places and getting houses. We looked at houses and houses and houses uh, when we were moving from the parsonage to where we currently are. And, and we would go to these subdivisions where houses are for sale, and we would sit there and we would like the house. And it was, well, what do you not like about the house? There's a neighbor right there. There's a neighbor right there. There's a neighbor right there. 
Like, like that's, that was the dilemma for us. It was like, man. And, and it was like, can we overcome ourselves? And man, we just, we never felt at peace. And we, we and again, we're basing it on this thought that, man, we're just so overcrowded. We, 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 we don't want as many neighbors. And then this house opened up where we live out there on the green table. And I'm 200 yards away from the closest person. We happen to be the youngest people on the street. Right? So everybody else, man, I mean, they're like in bed before we're in bed and we never see our neighbors. I'm just kidding. We actually make efforts to check on all of them. Often. Is that what he's talking about here? Like, I'm, I'm to love the people who live on the same street as me? Of course, we, we know that's not it. A neighbor is anyone who I am in proximity to. That's, that's my neighbor. You're my neighbor. We're in proximity. Right now. I, I have no idea yet who's going to be in the checkout line at Publix in about 30 minutes from now. Okay, I don't know who's going to be in that line. I know the Browns are going to be at the store because I see them every Sunday. I don't know who's going to be in my line with me, but no, I, but 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 whoever it is, because they are my neighbor in that moment. I am to love them as I do myself. I am to be patient. I am to be kind. I'm not to be easily angered. Man, let me tell you, God has a way of, of doing some things, like convicting big time, and 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 so. At Crunch Fitness, there's this thing where they, like you're supposed to get your picture made, and so when you scan your little deal to check in every morning, your face pops up, and it's you know it's security and it's all this kind of stuff. And I'm just like, there's no way y'all are taking my picture. I'm sorry, I just don't want y'all to have my picture. And it's like I just like, I ain't got time for that stuff. Y'all just go on. And so for like forever now, I've not had my picture made. Well, they got a new general manager. Okay, and 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 it blurts out this message. Member has message, and it's really loud. And anybody like on that end of the gym can hear member has message, which means either you got insufficient funds in your account, or hey, we need a picture. All right, your payment didn't go through, or we need a picture. All right, that's that's what it that's that's what it means. And so this new general manager, he's there, man, he's just doing his job. And I'm like, I ain't got time for this. And so it blares it out. Remember, I have a message, and I just keep walking. Sir, sir, sir. And let me tell you, I act like a rear end of this dude. And as I'm sitting there, as I am sitting there arguing with this guy about all the other ways they can have security protocols with, with my phone number and my license, and I'm giving this guy all kinds of grief, it just comes over me in this are you loving him as you want to be loved? And I'm like, like in mid-sentence, I'm like, okay, I'll come to it. Like, like it was just complete, complete conviction in that moment. And I'd never seen a guy before because he was a new general manager. But he was my neighbor. Check out the scribe's response to Jesus. Verse 32, this guy gets it. He's a teacher of the Mosaic Law. 
Well said, teacher. The man replied, you are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but Him. To love Him with all your heart and with all your understanding and, and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. In Jewish culture, the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices was everything. Yeah, I mean, it was the thing that you did. The priest made this emphasis. It's, it, that's what's important. This teacher who challenges Jesus, the cha he gets it. To love God with the entirety of who you are and to love your neighbor as you do yourself, that is the new everything. That is what's important. And to be honest with you, this goes all the way back to the Shema in Deuteronomy. It's nothing new. It's been around for a very long time. This priest finally gets it. And so we as a church say we are committed to loving God and loving people in relationship. Even right now, we are to love God and love people in relationship. Because you want to know what? It's messy. Hey, let, let me get into some serious relationship. You... You get into my world with me, it's messy. I'm a diva. I'm high maintenance. Loving other people is time consuming. I will have to make sacrifices on my calendar to make it work. Let me tell you, I can get caught up out there at the green table doing my thing and ignoring everybody else. The, the funny thing about this entire life bridge journey is the person that God put in charge to say, you're going to talk about how important relationships are when I can leave right now and say, you know what, I don't need any of y'all. I'm going to be taken advantage of. When, when, when I'm investing and when I'm loving other people, I'm going to be taken advantage of. I'm going to be hurt. And here's the crazy thing. I may not, as, as I'm patiently loving, hoping for change, hoping for transformation, hoping to, to be in a relationship with you, I may not even see any change in you at all. I may not see any change in the people that I am loving. But here's the secret sauce. And this does not get talked about enough. This needs to be on placards everywhere. When I love other people unconditionally, even when they don't deserve it, we can make the list. Let me tell you all the reasons why they don't deserve it. I can love other people unconditionally, even when they don't deserve it. Because I am being obedient to the Lord, I am being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. There will always be fruit when we are obedient. It, I'm loving you, hoping somewhere in here in my flesh that you're going to change, that you're going to mature, that, that, that you're not going to act the same way. I may never see the fruit of that. I could stand up here and preach and preach and preach and preach and preach and pray for y'all, and you may never understand the depth of this relationship thing as it is found in Scripture. But as I live this out, I'm being transformed. I'm turning into the likeness of Jesus. It is in the relationships. This is where God does the work in our lives to transform us. So, 
At LifeBridge, we're committed to loving God and loving people in relationship. That's why life groups are so important. We, we are asking. I'll even beg if I have to. We are asking you to be in a committed relationship with a few people beyond your household. Be, be, beyond the comfort of your family. Alright, because we can get into the text where, where Jesus asked the question, what does it benefit or credit to you to love the people who love you back? And I know what you're thinking. Well, you don't know my teenagers. <laughs> they don't even know what love is right now. <laughs> They're still easy to love. On their worst day, Griffin and Stella are still easy to love compared. So we're asking you to be committed to relationships Beyond that. We're asking you to commit to some meeting time. So if, if, if we're going to be in a group together, it, it, it does us no good if we're not going to meet together. And so we're asking you to commit to, to meeting times set up by the group leader and the host. And here's the crazy thing. Between now and middle of May, and we're only asking you all get together 12 to 15 times. We want more. We hope for more. But get together 12 to 15 times between now and May. Put it on your calendar. Man, this is when my life group meets. And this is the priority at this time slot. And I understand because I live in this world that's, that's four to six months out. I mean, I, I understand. And so, if there's things out there in the future that you've already committed to, then you need to let your yes be yes. But let me tell you what you are doing when, when you know that you've got life group going on right now, and then you're like, hey, you know what? i got this invite today. I think I'm going to go do this instead. Do you know the message that you send? It's not one of commitment. It's not one of love. When you choose someone or something else over a group of people that you said, you know what? I can do this time slot. I can do this right here. And so we're asking that as a group, you meet 12 to 15 times. We're, we're asking that you do a service project together. And, and here's the crazy thing. We hear service project, and so we think task. The purpose of this, of doing something outside the normal environment where I can, this deepens the bond that we have with one another. If my only interaction with you is right here at church, for the few minutes I get to speak to you, in and out, doing the thing, and then I only see some of you right here at, at this little time slot, and that's the depth of our relationship, guess what? It's never going to deepen beyond that. Bring in that third environment. Bring in that environment where we're now serving together. The, the thing behind the service projects, church, is not to complete a task. Do we want to complete tasks? Absolutely. We want to serve the community well. But the purpose behind the life groups is to create this third environment where we are doing something together. So when Jeff Hall hits his hand with a hammer building picnic tables and he lets out a word that's not suitable for church. 
We get to laugh at them a little bit. Because Jeff's never going to reveal that part of himself anywhere else. And in that moment, I can judge Jeff. How dare you? <laughs> I could judge him. Or I can say, you know what, man? I've been there. And I've, I mean, I've, I've, I, I thought something just a minute ago. That splinter in my hand. We're working on it soon. But. You bring in that environment. So we're asking you to commit as life groups to do something together. And then this is, this is a new wrinkle. I've talked to our life group leaders about it. If you haven't done so yet, you'll hear about it in your group, but you're hearing about it now. You challenge people in groups to do something beyond church or group together. Does that make sense? For, for you. For you to initiate a conversation. For somebody in my group besides Michael and Amanda to look over at Ricky and say, hey Ricky, what are you doing for lunch today? Let's go out to lunch. And for Ricky to look at somebody else in my group and say, hey, what are you doing for lunch today? Let's go do this. Uh, you know, we, we talk about it in our groups. Well, we, we get invited to kids' things all the time. Like We love going and watching Pace and Liza play, and we love watching Jocelyn dance. But were those invites extended to anybody else in the group? Would anybody else in the group take time out of their day to go, to go support and be with these families? And it doesn't have to be that. Because let me tell you, Pace and Liza play out in some podunk places. It takes forever and a day to get there. Okay, that's real love. Hey, we're at lunch. We're at church together on Sunday. Why don't we go down to Taco Bell and grab something? Simple as that. We want to challenge the people within the groups to start doing something beyond church. And, and, and a lot of y'all do that really well already with other people. I'm all for it. Keep on. Keep doing it. Right? Like, keep praise the Lord. But, let's focus on these groups. Let's take this relationship one step deeper. Because when you get into these other environments, that's where you're going to know people. I'm going to close with Philippians. I know I've been up here a while. I'm done. Paul's writing to this church. Okay? Then make my joy complete. By being like-minded. Having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. I, I use this very service this very part of this to close out the last time. And I think it applies. Pretend for a second that this was not written to a Middle Eastern church. But it was written to a church in North Alabama. It's written to us. We got our own letter. Life Bridge. Chapter 2. He's writing that to you and I today. And, and, and here's the thing. I the way he says this. Make my joy complete by being like-minded. If Paul were here 
if he knew us and he left and he wrote this letter to us, by the way we do life together, and, and, and I understand that we live in communities away from here. I understand that. Are, are we bringing joy to his life by having the same love? Are we bringing joy to his life by being like-minded? Do you agree wholeheartedly with one another today? The answer is probably no. Do you agree wholeheartedly about what the Bible is telling us? Though? Are we loving one another and working together, serving together with one mind and purpose? God, thank You for Your Word. It's not easy, Father. I know that. As a matter of fact, this is counterculture. It's much easier, Father, You know this, for us just to come, participate, do, be seen, see others, and then leave and go about my business. But, but as the greatest chapter on love says, it's not about just being seen, it's about being known. To know fully and to be known fully. And that, and that extends beyond just you knowing us fully, but us knowing one another. And God, that cannot be done, that will not be done. Outside of relationship. And so Father, I pray that there's a heavy conviction, not for us to get to know every single person in this room on a deep, intimate level, but Father, for us to commit to meeting with a group of people for a period of time, making that a priority, showing up, and living out this love thing. 